Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the Comedy Road Podcast. We're in for a real treat today. We've got comedian, entrepreneur, and all-around awesome dude, Ashwin Jacobs. Woo, woo, with the cool shoes. Thank you, thank you. I <laughs> yeah. love fashion, it's fun. Super fly kicks. I did mention it to him before he came in, and I was like, man, where'd you get those kicks from? Lyrical so, lemonades. Lyrical lemonades. <laughs> <laughs> We're not paying him for the spot, though. Like, just... yeah. Lyrical lemonades. Sponsored. I mean, I grew up on hip-hop. Yeah. Everything is an advertisement, you I know? know? I was like, well, maybe they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, so welcome, bro. So you're a fellow East Coaster like me. Yep, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Yep, yeah. I have a wicked piss accent. Yeah. <laughs> he, believe me, I got a, the Baltimore accent. Like, my, my first date with my wife, she's like, where the fuck are you from, dude? And I was like, oh, Baltimore. Yeah. She's like, ah, I don't hear where, accents yeah. then. Oh, I have a wicked piss one. There's a guy from Boston that did a set the other night, and he said, it's so oh, cold yeah. over here. And I was like, what the fuck? How are you from New England? You're going to use lose your fucking cot. <laughs> you know? Do you think your Boston accent? I was like offended. I wanted to leave at that point. I was like, stop saying you need the heater on in L.A. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, see, when I'm back home, my accent just gets thicker, man. So, Oh, if I'm around anybody from Boston, yeah, just, my accent comes on. I Just by the time I even land in the airport, it just kicks in. Yeah. You know what I mean? so, they do keep the comedy clubs freezing, though. So, I mean, if he's like, please turn the air conditioner. That's not even a Boston. What was that? Please turn the air conditioner on. It sounds like a mix of three different states. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you got, if you kept going. General, general New England, yeah. kind of. You're, yeah. you're, you're in a general location somewhere. Thank you, guys. It sounded like a Boston movie, you know, with an English guy <laughs> trying to do the Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. Just naming so towns. Let's just, du- let's just dub it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gloucester. Worcester. Yeah, well, hey, welcome to Worcester. A dollar 25. All right, all Remember right, Cold Booth right. Willie? The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, right. that's, that's the ultimate sign of a guy having charisma back in the day. That was my test. If you said that you could pick up any girl... I wanted to see them pick up a toll booth attendant. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is that the that's a serious that's game. That's where you're trying to get to uh, a toll booth. Toll booth attendant. attendant or on Yelp? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are easy. You can pick you up a, a toll booth. You mean a Yelp reviewer? A Yelp reviewer, you know? <laughs> I'm a Yelp so, reviewer. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, you think you got game? Go pick it. You point to a review and you're like, pull that. You know what I mean? Pull that, you yeah. Know? <laughs> but at a toll booth? That's kind of hard. Think about that. No. You got it. Driving through... All it is is 125, 250. Yeah. You got to count out the change. You got to get a number exchange. And then there's people in line behind you. Well, oh, yeah, you're what, saying right what, in that moment. In that moment. What's your one liner? Huh? Yeah, what's, what's your, your one, one word? Maybe in that. What's your, what do you say? What's Stick your one liner? Oh, you put your phone number on a $100 bill. That's all you got to do. You know? <laughs> I, I worked for Hugh Hefner when I came out to LA for Playboy magazine. And I learned one key fact in life, which is, you know, men aren't either, you know, handsome or ugly after the age of 25. You're either rich or you're poor. <laughs> True I'm that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I never She's like, wait, she's like, wait a minute. This wait a minute. is awesome because they usually give us women after a certain age, but that's the actual saying. Like, Hugh Hefner said that to you. He said many things. <laughs> <laughs> I paraphrased it. It's just my own take on it. Did you, uh, was your life forever changed working for Hef? Uh, it was an interesting experience. At 19, I was doing a study abroad in Florence, Italy. I had a friend of mine that I made that worked with uh, Playboy Mansion parties. So it's not Playboy that produce these parties. It's independent producers. Oh, they work with Playboy. They have like a license on it. They produce parties over at the mansion. So that's how I originally ended up meeting half. And then they were doing a college marketing program called Playboy U. And I did a lot of the activations wow. with Playboy U. Uh, which yeah. was a fun experience. So, so uh, uh, are any of the playmates doing comedy? 
<laughs> There's so many girls. Yeah, they're trying, trying Playboy to Playboy that do comedy. Yeah. I don't think anybody's trying. I, I got a great <laughs> quote, actually. This is actually the truth of it. I remember my first show I did, um, and a lot of people don't like that this is how I started off in comedy because mm-hmm. I meet people and they're like, well, what was like your first show? Or do you do this mic or that mic? I don't know where a lot of open mics are because I don't know a lot of comics that are starting off. I know a lot of people that are okay. in different stages of their career. My first show in LA I did with, you know, there's Jeff Ross, the roast master. There's Jay Moore. There's Jamie Kennedy. There was a Cato Kalen, OJ's roommate. Everybody's and, favorite house guest. And I got my <laughs> slot literally 10 minutes before I had to go on stage. Wow randomly in the middle of a pandemic uh, in a parking lot at the Roosevelt. Someone came up to you and gave you a slot. My friend who used to produce the parties at the Playboy Mansion produces these comedy shows. Oh, I told him I was doing (laughs) some comedy. I did comedy back in Boston a little bit and I didn't do comedy for a total of like, I'd say three years. Haven't even done a set, never open mic'd. And that was my first show. Oh wow. And I went up to Jay Moore. I said, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, make comedy my main thing. And he said, you're not trying, you're doing. So I think for anybody yeah. that's getting on stage, you're not trying, you're doing it. I think a lot of people have this ego or complex mm-hmm. that it took them. It took me five years before I was even booked at a comedy club or seven years before I could do a cold open at this club. And I think that hate and that animosity mm-hmm. is something that a lot of people pass forward that doesn't need to be a part of uh, the culture of comedy because you never know. That person that wants to do it might naturally be better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They just might be better or they might just be more acclimated or they might suck at open mics, but they crush it with a real audience. It's just for them. Like, you you don't understand the way the universe works. Something it's for you and the universe conspires to help you get there. And you have to understand, you have to listen to that. Like, it's telling you where to go, what to do. It's the manual of how to do it. And so to get mad at someone Mm -hmm. else who gets it in, this is your journey right now. And it's, was supposed to be this way so no one can get mad at you because you knew someone like how many people have known someone and got a project or a film well you also have to bring value to people and that's about people to know you you have to be able to bring Mm -hmm. value you have to do a lot of ugly jobs i think a lot of people just want to focus at like the glamour aspect of like you go on the road and this thing's quite kind of fun and uh (laughs) Yeah. You're still driving? It, I'm still driving. This, this, man is, this man is always in motion, so ladies and gentlemen. Busy. He's so busy. He's just navigating to the next place after this show. Yeah. Yeah. They gave me my next destination. You yeah. know? Yeah. We're talking about the universe. He's like, well, the universe is taking me somewhere else. In a few right minutes, now, so, seven yeah. minutes. Seven minutes. I'm out that door. You know? <laughs> but no, like you just got to do the work. And like sometimes when you hit the road, it's not glamorous. It's ugly. You're on a United airline in a middle seat with your Shut legs up. like this. With fuck, somebody fuck. Getting United, that, that, is, that is generous of I you know, to I say. United. United. <laughs> I'm talking like Frontier, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you got you to gotta tell them about your frequent flyer miles and that you get a discount. Oh. I'm Indian. I let them know about the discounts I have available oh, to me. beforehand when oh, they book yeah, you. Oh, yeah, oh, I let them know that they can save yeah, some you money. Better, you you got to help me with my Delta points. Yeah, yeah, so. oh, I, I know all the travel yeah. hacks. Man. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Spirit, they charge you when they say hello on the airplane. They charge you for toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, really? He's like, I, I, I can tell that this man is Ashwin. You never have flown Spirit Airlines before, and I, I and I pray like, and I pray that? I pray that you never do. No, I knew a flight attendant on uh, Spirit Airlines. Spirit is everything. It was great. Everything you no, it was great because you knew a flight attendant. 
Yeah, you got to have a plug, you know? Right, right, right. You're nobody in life it, it, unless you know somebody yeah. that can bring you through right, the back but door. Right, unless you're paying for that big comfy seat, the extra 60 bucks, you're really they screwed. They have those? Yeah, it's 60 bucks, but everything's a la carte. It's like buying a car with nothing in it, right? So yeah, you yeah, get yeah, the base yeah. fare, <laughs> and, then, and then you get there, you say hello, they charge you, that'd be five bucks. And then yeah. for literally from that point on, you're... Each bag is like whatever. I think he needs a rundown. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I don't know if you're just meeting well, this a, rundown. I'm really an affiliate of Spirit Airlines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. This is a brand deal. I get it. Brand you know? Know? I, I, I can tell. Are. I'm talking to. I'm, you know, I, I'm all about plugging spots. Yeah, you, you, know? get, you get me. You, you tell Spirit Airlines to hook me up, man, and we'll make it happen. So. I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad I love it. Yeah, and I was like, really, I'm intrigued. Really I'm like, intrigued. He's like, they charge you a la carte, huh? A la carte. Yeah. For air, too, you know? Yeah, just to breathe. To breathe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to breathe. Mm -hmm. You didn't learn that from the air flight stewardess you were with. No, I didn't learn that. I learned other things. <laughs> he was, nah, he, nah, he was, uh, that was a different, <laughs> that was a different conversation. He was different having. conversation. Uh, yeah. Let's jump. So after that, that's when you decide to focus on comedy. Like after you got that first show, did you go into comedy full force? That was basically my full time job. I was an entertainer. That was about it. You know, yeah. uh, I previously managed a lot of like athletes and like celebrities. I did a lot of work with hip hop artists. I produced a lot of their parties. I was basically the guy that found the mansion. I figured out how to produce a party. And then I curated who could get in and who couldn't get in. Uh, so kind of like a comedy booker at a club, nobody really knows who that person is, yeah. whether the person that decides if you make it on the list. That's they right. do now, uh, though. It's like people know who the bookers are, and they're like, that's the bookers here. The book I feel like now they do it, for the major uh, clubs. Are you talking about in Los Angeles? In Los Angeles, probably. Right. Because, you know, there's there's always a mystery about if you're traveling on the road. Who the bookers Who's are the bookers going to be? Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Even yeah. still in Los Angeles, there's a little bit of a mystery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, you can find that information. Yeah, but, like, I did that. Comedy became kind of my main thing. Realized that you can't just survive off of uh, comedy uh, gigs <laughs> in L.A. Uh, very, very quickly. Yeah. And then who, I started, told you, who told you that you could survive off comedy gigs and all that? I've always survived. I moved out here with 500 bucks and a leaking air mattress, you know? Fantastic. My first yeah. trip to L.A. I ended up at the Playboy Mansion. So, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, you end up in some weird scenarios when you manifest, like, you know, Come positive on. things. I grew up in low-income housing in Massachusetts. And I went from that to going to the Playboy Mansion, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, it's a disparity between two unlike things, but, like, really kind of understanding, like, that hustle to it. So, yeah. like, you found out that, like, for me, I look like the highest earning and highest educated minority group in the world. Mm. So I could probably book ads for a lot of luxury goods. I'm People that look like me are more likely to buy things like that, you know? Mm. Lamborghini what, what you, owners? Probably yeah. Indian. When we own all the in, tech companies. I was like, hey, what do you got? I'll buy it. You know what I mean? That was yeah. Like, yeah. Those shoes? I'll take them right now. Shoes are great. I got a crystal <laughs> bracelet brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you use that same thought process towards tackling, getting into comedy and stuff. Well, I came from repping talent, so I understood what talent needed to do, uh, and I made myself more amenable. So, like, when I started booking, like, commercials and ads, I'd offer reshoots, and I'd be friendly to every person on the set. Right. Because the production hand is going to be on more shoots than the director. Yeah, true. They're on more gigs. Yeah. And people fall out all the time. People get COVID. All sorts of things can kind of happen, and you can get that slot. If right. you're nice enough to people and you're easy enough for people to work with. Yeah. But you'll also deal with hate when you book quicker than other people that have wanted to book quickly. So is that something that you've dealt with? People have said, well, how did you get on this show? Dude, and, and, actually, I have a great story for you guys. I still think about this all the time. <laughs> 
I had a friend that messaged me. He's like, I have a friend that does comedy. And it's the best thing. When you have a friend that doesn't do comedy, that can make an introduction to somebody that's in comedy. Yeah. It's way better usually than a comic making an intro or like you reaching out cold. So he's yeah. like, hey, this is the guy. I want you to come to this show with me to meet him. And then he calls me. He's like, I can't go. But like this is the Instagram just messaged him. He knows you're going to hit him up mm -hmm. about like probably doing a slot on his show. So I'm very nice when it comes to things. Like that's my brand has always been like, be polite, treat people how you want to be treated. Sure. I sent him a message and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. I know you're doing a show over here. Would love to get considered for future slots. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Then he sends me, if you want to come to my show right now, you can buy a ticket for like, it's like a 40 or $50 ticket. Mm -hmm. That's his response. That was, he just sent me a ticket link, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't mean like, I'm trying to like <laughs> come to the show and buy a ticket and have yeah. the two drink minimum and like. I want to be on the show. <laughs> I want to be on the show. And I was connected to you by yeah. this person. Then he starts going off on me. Then I call this guy. I'm like, do you know this guy? And he's like, well, he's a tenant of my friend. So my buddy is buddies with this guy's <laughs> landlord. This guy is going off on me. And it's at the Roosevelt where I've done like, that's where I did my first comedy show. I've done about like 10 comedy shows yeah. over at this spot. Yeah. I'm like, you're just a different producer doing it at a spot that I'm always at. Right. I know half the staff there. Yeah. I live down the street. <laughs> yeah. My face has been on that billboard over there. I'm like, I just reached out to you to ask about your show. And then he's getting <laughs> mad at me. And then he's like, you know, you're probably one of those people that has a big following because, like, you know, you grew up rich and all these. I'm like, I grew up in low-income housing. He's like, your parents probably have good jobs and things. Like, my dad works at a bank, and he started off at Caldors, which is, like, is Target before Target. This is great. My mom still works on assembly line for 40K. This is a white guy yeah. in West Hollywood that's a bartender. <laughs> He's telling you about yourself. Yeah. He so just, then this just... is what I decide to do because I'm Indian, right? And Indian scorned is very, very petty. Oh. And the internet is my friend because you can find out everything about somebody on the yeah. internet. Oh, yeah. So I search this person's name uh -huh. and I search scam and a couple of other keywords because oh, you put in some keywords, right? Turns out this guy got arrested when he was in college for distributing narcotics. And he was projecting his own issues, as psychologists would say. Most people that are going to attack somebody about something or their own insecurities usually are projecting their own insecurities. He got arrested for allegedly distribution of a Class A narcotic. Wow. And it's not an alleged because he was caught, so he was distributing a Class A narcotic. Uh, and his parents paid his bail. So I think, you know, this was like the kettle calling the plot black, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you, and, you, and you, you know, he saw right through that. I saw right through it. I left it on that. And then uh, with his racist messages, I just ran an ad on Facebook and Meta to BLM <laughs> followers. Oh, so, nice. So you, you just retargeted, you know. I retargeted, you know. Yeah, yeah. You just did, you did your thing. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. I just, you know, used a meta target of people that probably wouldn't like yeah. this racial talk. Yeah. You, you just, you, know? you, went, you, you went to battle. I, I went to that. And I also went to, you know, people for healthcare causes. People that are usually looking for healthcare need to be on the side of Indian people. <laughs> you know? I, that, that is a, that is not even, that's, that's, yeah, that's not an observation. Play. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. You know, he might have ran that list for that one particular comedy show that did not ever happen to that venue ever again. Oh, wow. But you ever get COVID and you end up at Cedar Sinai? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a careful. guy behind the guy. It's yeah, there's a guy behind that. Emboldened people feel when they're in a place of power, but they don't understand how power works. It ebbs and flows, and you like it. You, you can be out of power too, so you need to be nice to everyone. Like it's not a mm -hmm. hard concept. And if you got an internet connection, there's an Indian person in technical support. 
Oh. And we could slow that internet connection down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a man, because you're probably going to that orange and black website. And uh, if it starts hey, lagging, yeah, you're going to be a little bit quicker. Right. And right. that's going to affect you later on in life, you know, Pavlov conditioning. Right. Your wife's yelling, why is the internet slowed down? Yeah. You know what I mean? Were you, and who, well, were you yelling at the guy on the phone earlier? You know what I mean? no, no, that wasn't me. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> you're just going to well, wait. Just, wait internet shut off. No, you're going to call the customer support and, you know, Sanjay and yeah. Kumar. Yes. They're just going to disconnect every dis- once in a while. Right, right. Yeah, honey, our, just everything's out in the house. Yeah. 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 You know? okay. So this, like, okay, so now going back to your journey in comedy, I have seen that yeah. they do do a lot of, like, overlapping, like, your business entrepreneur and you taking whatever you learn from that aspect of your business and being an entrepreneur and you're bringing in the comedy. I think that's important for people to learn because we have been talking about not just the artist aspect of comedy, but the business. And it seems like you have a lot of business acumen when it comes to basically anything, but how are you using it within comedy? Like, and what are you doing? Like, how are you getting your shows? Like, how are you putting yourself out there as a comedian now since you are so smart with branding and stuff? So the funniest thing about this is, is like, People that knew me growing up, they know that I'm super shy. I, I went to a comedy show last night. And it's super funny because, like, you can put me to, like, an award show. Super charismatic. Very, very comfortable. Comedy clubs are like going to, like, a middle school lunch with mean <laughs> girls. Especially, like, open mic type things okay. or things that are easier to book. It's terrifying it's for me. It's, a different it's terrifying for me. Because, yeah, yeah. like, everyone's, like... I show up every night. I do this thing every day. I submit to a hundred different auditions every day. I'm like, maybe it's not the quantity of things that you're doing. Maybe just like yeah. focus on like quality, the quality of the things yeah. that you do. Uh, but I have like pretty bad, like social anxiety about it. And also yeah. like just as an Indian guy, I know if I go to a nightclub door, I'm going to re- get rejected. You think so? Just they. Oh, a hundred percent. I've gone to clubs and my friends, I've went to my friend's restaurant in LA and my friend was meeting me there and his door staff was like, yeah, he left like three hours ago. Why would not get in? Just because, just because what? A lot of times uh, you wouldn't ex- like, it's not cool, right? Like being brown, like I am, isn't cool until you realize that, you know, we're a very high earning minority group. These days near we can spend. These days near is being Jewish. So, you know what I mean? So I so I get it, you know what I mean? But uh, you know, you can I I can hide, you know, who yeah. I am. <laughs> in, in in that regard. I mean, it's great for me if I ever yeah. have a technical support issue, hospitals, you know, a lot of those scenarios. But like what I've done is I have a big following on the internet. I previously worked with a lot of larger entertainers. I'm able to do collabs with people in like terms of like content creation. If I reach out on the internet, people are able to kind of pre-qualify that I have something to offer them. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to lead with like, I can do this or I can do that. Uh, It's more like, hey, do you think the stuff that I put out there is funny or do you, are you open to developing a genuine relationship? Yeah. So if you're open to building a genuine relationship, I want to figure out what I can do for you, which is like, People have profiled things in my life that can attract press. Uh, I have been a tech consultant. I have a piece in a robot bartending company. I have a small piece in a, uh, well, I have my crystal bracelet brand. I have a lot of entertainers that come to my show. People with large followings will come and post and promote that, you know? Right. right A lot of those TikTok people and a lot of those like Instagrammers will come. There's some athletes and rappers that will come to certain shows. Um, I also found out that like, 
there's um, ticketing platforms. Like one of the biggest costs that people that produce shows deal with is ticketing. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with venture-backed ticketing companies that can reduce the fees for not only a producer, but also a venue at scale. Oh. Which if you're saying dollars per ticket sold in a 100 to 200 person room with five to 10 shows per night, yeah. I'm saving people thousands or tens of thousands oh, yeah. of Talk dollars, which adding- gets you in the room with the owner. I'm no longer dealing with like the person that, is like mad that I booked something. I'm right. providing a value to somebody yeah. that is running a quantifiable business. So that's really what I've realized is like, how can I provide value to people? So I usually reach out and say, I'd love to do a show with you. I want to learn what you're doing. I take a genuine interest and I try and figure out a way to bring value to them, whether that be, you know, an introduction or helping them with something or, you know, just being a friend. Yeah. That's a smart way to go about it too. Like what's in it for them instead of coming out of what can you do for me? It's like, I, what I, can I have an acronym for that. I call it WIFI. Wiffy. Which is what's the, in it for you? There you the go. other one is Wiffum. What's in it for me? Yeah, was yeah. like the one that they use, and now uh-huh. it's like you you need to know what's in it for everybody else. And but with this industry, it is like it, because you are a solo artist and you're going up there. We're not conditioned to be like, well, uh, what can I do for other people? We're conditioned to say, well, how do we get more stage time? How do we get you know our our faces out there and get more time so we can develop thirty minutes an hour and stuff. So it's just a different, like, it's just gonna, it's a different way of thinking. I feel like. I think it's also, you got to be the one to invest in yourself. You know, I think, uh, one of Matt Rife's first specials, he produced himself, you know, I think it's a lot of times you got to be the one to bet on yourself. If you want to give yourself more stage time, figure out a way to like produce your own show or figure out a way that you have value or that you're able to bring certain people, but also know your value. Cause like, one thing that I got dragged into in the beginning of it was I did a lot of those like bringer shows at mm-hmm. one point. Right. And then what happens is like, I have a large audience on the internet, but it's very contingent. Like my audience is very much so like cool people in LA that are hip mm-hmm. and that are younger. And if I'm on a show with everybody that's like 40 to 60 plus or people that like these kids aren't going to know, my audience isn't going to want to come to that. They're not going to buy tickets to that. Right. So sometimes if you crush it on one show and then they know that a lot of people come out, they'll put you on another show or you'll get baited and switch, which is promote this other show that you're not on. And then I'll book you on this other show. And then the same expectation is put on that show. Yeah. So you're like, why would I want to pollute my own audience of people? Because I have, yeah. A decent audience. Yeah, you do have an audience. But, like, yeah. I have to use that audience for myself. I don't want to be using that for other people. And if that person's unwilling to see it, I wish them the best on their journey, and I just move forward. Right. You got to so, find the bright people for you. Exactly. You got to find your right tribe. Yeah. yeah it yeah. takes time. but You can't harp on it. A lot of people, like, wish ill or, like, I can't wait until I have the position to do the opposite thing to other people. <laughs> I think that's such, <laughs> like, so a weird. it's such a petty it's way to gross. live your life. Yeah. When you hate people, that's a punishment you give yourself. And you're attracting that back to you like all I've, I've I've I test this theory every day I'm like what can I put out and what how do I test and see what I'm getting back or what I'm not what's happening and I've tested and I'm like what you put out is what you're gonna get back people I don't know how people miss that or just or don't care about it or something I think people just don't care I think they know but they're like ah, I can be a shitty person then uh, the next life and I'm like I think a lot of times people just think people are like dumber than they are or like I can get this one over them and uh, I just leave that out like comics overall are very very intelligent people because like the way that you come up with a joke or the way that you come up with these observations you're paying attention to a lot of subtle things and you don't need to reiterate that like it's done but like you just got to know when to like move forward and like when to move away and then like the people that you want to continue to invest in and then like 
kind of humble yourself to do those sort of slots because for a lot of the bigger clubs, there is no like networking really. You got to just show up to their mic, yeah, thug it out, or you can book out of town, which is like one of the things that I'd rather do for myself a lot of times is like I'll book myself out of town and I'll yeah. hit up bookers in other cities or I'll have fans of mine go to like venues and like push that that angle. So, oh, wow, I never heard of that yet. Yeah, like you can leverage like audiences if you build communities of people or if you figure out ways to kind of engage with the people on the internet instead of buying my tickets, buying my stuff. Yeah. You find ways to give to them. You can do a lot of great things, you know? Like, I have brands that work with me that I gift things to my audience oh, all the time. I see. So are you, are, are you going on the road a lot more now, or is that something you plan to do? I have been. It's been on and off. I did some shows in Boston uh, over December. I was also planning on visiting my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and stack activities. If I know I'm going to go to a place for something else, I'll stack an activity. That's a good way to break into a market and also find bookers in that market because their tr- costs, the biggest cost is that flight ticket accommodations. So if smart, you have part yeah. of it kind of covered for part of it, you're already out there. They know you're going to be out there. You can leverage your book of work, and then they'll book you again if you're able to deliver for them. Oh. Uh, I also leverage the fact that I have the online audience, and I'm able to figure out ways to market and be able to push you know, an actual fan base out there. Are you sending emails out, or are you cold calling these clubs? Uh, Instagram DMs, I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I find, yeah, I find, Insta- again, it's the it's pre-qualifier exciting. because... They can Everyone, go through yeah, it. they can go through. They can see it. They can oh, see who yeah. else like right. they can I've see done your stuff presence. With. Yeah. They can see what brands I've done. You know, there's not many comics that are uh, promoting congressional candidates in the state of California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Do you think it's helped having like that? Do they ever say, "Okay, I see this large falling"? Because how long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy full time since like 2020. 2020, okay. Yeah. So th- do they ever ask, because I know a lot of people ask, when you send them tapes and stuff, well, how, do, do they ask you about, like, how long you've been doing comedy or, like, how how many minutes you have? Honestly, anybody that's ever asked for tape, that's what I, want. I know that they don't really want to book you. It's just, like, oh, an really? excuse. A lot of times, like, they usually don't want to book you. It's just, like, they'll ask for it in a different format or they'll just ask you. If people ask me for stuff in, like, three or four different ways, I know that there's no real interest in it, you know? You've never had to send a tape in for your... They never look at... Or maybe they They look at the stuff I post on the internet. Oh, well, because you're DMing them. So, yeah, so they see like clips of like bits yeah. and pieces okay. of things. Okay. Right. I mean, they can, then, if they want your tape is right there. If they my really tape want is to right there. The social yeah, yeah. proof is right there. The ads are right there. Other content is right there. I've done movies. I produced a full length feature that had a theatrical release called Habitual with Johnny Hickey. Uh, that won some awards. I'm ideally, hopefully, producing some original content again soon. I'm trying to pitch two other different show concepts right now, which are interesting and fun and then i'm in the process of you know i have a great commercial agent but i'm trying to explore new agency Mm -hmm. for like my traditional work and then the new year's resolution i set for myself was i want to find an agent and a manager that will work as hard to you know find me work and get me booked doing the different things that i'm able to do right as much as my indian mother and my indian grandmother want to see me get married (laughs) and will do that work you know know? yeah i mean you know uh because you do real estate as well too right so yeah so I saw a clip that you you you, you mentioned. You know, that you're working hard for your clients, so you want somebody working hard for you. You know, as an agent, right? A hundred and ten percent, dude. Like, I literally woke up this morning. I sent a twenty thousand dollar set of options to like a guy looking for a house in Brentwood. I have a model; she's looking to buy like her first property for like a million dollars. I have two clients shopping for five million dollar pieces a pop. I went and I got my haircut. I shot a 
audition tape for my commercial uh, agent, and then I hopped in the car, came right over here. <laughs> and then after that, it's the next Love thing, it. you know? What yeah. time are you waking up in the morning? Honestly, I'm gonna, I am I used to try and wake up early in the morning. Uh-huh. I am not that bit, good of a yeah. morning person. I wake up, and I try and wake up between 7.30. I'm usually out of bed by, like, 8-something. Okay, thank you. But I stay up <laughs> later. And I'm on my phone first thing again. I used to try and not be on yeah, my phone. Yeah, thank I'm you. I'm on my phone first thing. Thank you for I'm not yes. going to lie to you. So Thank you're you. not waking up and doing the meditation thing. First, I do first. meditation. I love yeah. breath work. I like doing that sort okay, of stuff. I'm, I'm but it's cool. like when it flows into like life naturally. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. But like it's also like super funny because like I had to talk with like a friend and then she was like, well, I also have a crystal brand. And then like, you know, my shaman who's <laughs> Skylar in Malibu and then this girl Tiffany in Santa Monica <laughs> knows this sort of thing. And I'm like. I'm in a text thread with Wim Hof and Shad Guru. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. they didn't go to training classes in Costa Rica for two months and have a 100-hour certificate. Yeah. He found enlightenment sweating in Indian heat <laughs> under a tree, yeah. possibly getting bit by a snake. That's right. In a fever dream. That's, That's how right. he found enlightenment. That's how you find enlightenment. Yeah. yeah. Wim Hof's fucking amazing, though. Wim Hof is great. Yeah, He's I've, super, I've, super I've funny. Taking his, uh, I went to a Tony Robbins thing and uh what do you you know we'll walk on the hot the coals and all that stuff oh yeah uh what they call unleash the power within and wim hof was actually there teaching during when tony robbins got off the stage for a little bit wim hof came in and did a session with the whole crowd and uh i was like wow this guy is incredible (laughs) so he's a cool guy we're in a text thread of like people that biohack and somebody said something and they like tried to defend their point of view claiming wim hof and they didn't realize he was in the thread he's like actually just do what's right for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, just like, just a, he's just like, a, he's just such a cool dude, man. So you got to do what makes yourself happy. I think yeah, too many true. people are trying to appease other people because yeah. like, yes, like you have to take critiquing from like a club and other comics about like what works for their show or what works for their venue. I'm very adaptive. So like I want critical feedback of how I can do something different and I'm willing to try it out at a couple different places oh, and see how jokes. that works. That's because jokes Be- are precious to be, it's like, they're ba- it's like our babies, you know? A hundred percent. But like you have to be like very yeah. open towards that, like Great. feedback, but like at some level you have to know who you are. Yeah. I you agree. know, like yeah. you can't try and do somebody else's style. And I'm not going to be a deadpan comic. It just doesn't work for right. me. And our voice is always changing, you know, constantly. So, you know, uh, well, your perspective, your, perspective, your, voice, your, your voice, your outlook, you know, we're all, we're, we as human beings are constantly adapting and evolving. So, um, you I know, think that's in comedy, like, yeah. is, it, it, it's the same applicable style of, of how we live our lives in so many ways, you know. Um, how are you how are you adapting to the climate in comedy it's always changing things are always moving and how is it like for how is it for you navigating the the business side now that you're you know a few years into doing it honestly it's a bit smoother but again like a lot of venues you have to like build an individual relationship with them and figure out your way and like i hit it from a couple of different angles I'll try like the Instagram angle. I'll try pulling up. I'll try and be supportive of like a couple of events and comics that go there. And I don't have an expectation. I go without an expectation because when you have that expectation, you get like so jaded. You're like, I went like 10 times and it didn't work. Right. Um, But like, I'm definitely not one of those people that's like, I'm going to go to the open mic audition night and wait for two hours. This is going to change everything. Cause like if I have an ad or if I have a paid show, 
because like I, I do actually make a living that's sustainable doing like partially comedy mm-hmm. and I get paid money, like real money to do shows, not like the, <laughs> the five or ten dollar, <laughs> not the so five or ten dollar thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I make real money doing this. Uh, and I think that's also like a thing because like sometimes people will be like, mm-hmm. well, this is like the biggest opportunity in the world. Like I had a guy hit me up today and he's like, well, you know, this brand, this person, this person give me like this sort of thing for decks, for houses, for like events. And I'm like buddy the 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 properties i'm working with are ultra mansions like their focus is not on trying to get this gen z tiktoker to film something there right. because that person's audience is not likely to mm. buy that sort of product mm, okay i'm like my focus is on finding a deal that makes sense if you can give me a run of show i'll give you a house that'll make sense for it but i'm not going to try and force myself into a peg that it doesn't fit into yeah you know i know what my strong suit is i know what my weak suits are yeah. some days you'll be great all of us have a bad set or a bad mm-hmm. day or something crazy that happens into you but like you got to find your way that works for you. And that keeps you happy, too. That keeps you happy, that keeps you sane, and that you can, like, deal with. Yeah. You know, I uh, often say a lot, you know, as, as a comedian, you've got to, it's not just about telling jokes. You've got to be uh, a comedypreneur. Uh, you really defy yeah. the meaning of a true comedypreneur. When you got into comedy, uh, were you, like, strategizing of a game plan forecasting the year how it's going to work mm-hmm. out or was this something like you were like um i'm gonna do this um and, ca- like, and, I'm, and just make it happen yeah yeah i honestly try it just it's a, it's a plug and go <laughs> something will work something won't work having an expectation of something working has never worked you that. know it's just i'm a very big believer in just just do the work like get yourself to be better find ways that you can help the people around you provide freely without like the expectation that any of these people are ever going to do anything back for you. And you have to, you have to just give it freely. Like everything that you have, you have to just give that energy freely to people without that expectation. Because if you're not trying to get, and you're just trying to do what's Mm -hmm. right for the people in your life, you'll get so much more from the right people. It might not come from the people you give it to, but it can come back from other people. And like, I always tell people, people are like, well, what's it like being a comedian? You're always around like these funny, upbeat, like hilarious people. I'm like, no, I'm around like (laughs) seriously depressed (laughs) people dealing with deep psychological damage. And the only people that can relate to the trauma that like you experience as a comic are professional fighters, like boxers, (laughs) MMA, porn stars, and like street corner hookers because you deal with rejection, threat of violence, uh, everybody hates you, your family's disappointed in what you've done with it, and uh, it's overall just equally brutal from all angles, you know? That's right, that's right. We are are a a very eclectic uh, bunch of of people. We are the street corner hookers of the entertainment world. It's a very people-pleasing... Prostitute is a higher class than a comic, you know? It's higher class, you know? Escort, sex worker. You don't don't even give us, like, like Vegas. We're we're out there on Figueroa. (laughs) We're out there on the streets of Figueroa. Whenever we have people that go there, because that's a scary thing to hear. But it's also rewarding as well. 
Let's put that in. I mean, like, the reward. Really. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Like, when you get a glass of water someplaces, it's like, oh my God, I made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always say, I got yeah. tap water. Yeah. And they didn't charge me. Right. That was great. Let me use the bathroom. I, it's, it's, I didn't go yeah. inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lena makes sure that she uses every single bathroom in every club oh, that she goes to. You know, because no, she wants to leave her mark. She really does. I don't. Yeah. I mean, that's the original Instagram post, you know? Yeah. Mark your territory. Mark your territory. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm doing. It's not it's really like she got into comedy. She just wanted to got you know leave a I legacy just behind. A place, yeah. yeah, yeah, to sit. She just wanted a place to sit and think and think. Yeah, that's it. I get it. Ideally, without a bathroom attendant. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know how that job is still around. Or if I was on Spirit Airlines, I don't know either. Why? I think about I think this all the fancy. time. Like, why do people? They just won't. And so, most of them don't even do their job now. The other one just left, and I was like, "What? You're supposed to?" I just don't like the process of somebody <laughs> watching me while I pee. <laughs> it's not a fetish yet? I'm into. Yeah. Isn't that a we- unusual I'm like, I'm thing? watching this guy like blow his nose, and then like <laughs> poor, passes me a napkin, that, and I'm like, that, "I definitely got COVID that now." That guy's job. That guy's job. You know, uh, I'm peeing in his so, office. I'm peeing in his office. He's then. Putting soap on my hand, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. You know, and right? Like, it. and yeah, and like I'm like, and then I got to give him money, That's you know. Afterwards, you know, it's it's a Speaking very ex- it's a very you know <laughs> give and take relationship here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. it's tough, this man. Yeah. I know. I wanted to go back to expedite because I I just started like applying that to my relationships with people in my life, and I've seen a huge difference. And the fact that you're talking about it in your career. I think that's something I haven't heard that come up so much before. And I think that's really important about, especially in, in comedy, going out there and doing the work or help, helping others and not expecting them to put you on a show or anything. Cause that's, I mean, for the most part, that's not like, sometimes you're not going to be put on the show. Even if you come out and they tell you to come in on stuff, there's, there's just, you have to, I don't want to say lower your expectations, but I think you should not go in with expectations thinking that people are going to give you something that you think you're owed. I think a lot of people think they're old things. And I, that's a, a thing that I have conditioned myself to say, no one owes you anything. No one owes you anything. You you have to go out there and make things happen. No one is going to give you anything. And I think that's a different mindset. A hundred percent. And also know that comics are intelligent. Yeah. Like I'll come and support my friend's show. Like yeah. either of you guys had a show and you guys like, Hey, come through. I put you on the guest list. Come through. That's great. And I'll be like, Hey, can I bring a plus one? That's great. But, like, when people start hitting me up and they're like, hey, you should bring a ton of your friends. This is going to be the best show. I'm like, why am I going to? This is, again, <laughs> right. you're asking me to do work. Right. Like, and you every know? show to a comic sometimes is, oh, this is going to be the best show. Or every club in their minds is like, this is going to be the, the, the breakthrough moment. But really, at the end of the day, it's just another show. It's <laughs> just another show. Just another and then, show. two, you're not building reciprocity. You're building an expectation, and you're trying to make someone work for you for free. At which point, I'm like, I'm a consultant, and I get paid a decent rate per hour. So, like, if you really want me to work as a marketer, I can charge you as a marketer. Mm. You can talk to the person that does that. And, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll sell you people on my email list. That's okay. Yeah. I'll sell data. <laughs> so next Talk time you, you get a bringer email, go. that's what you say. Oh, uh, yeah, I can do your marketing. Um, yeah, like if you want me to do that, like I can do your marketing. You can hire me as a marketing I person. crazy ones because I got one for 15, like a friend. He, he was He's a semi-friend of mine. Reached out to me about a bringer show at a big club, but it was his own show. And he was like, bring 15 people. And I'm like, what? Like, are you paying? Like, am I getting paid? Like, what is? And he was like, "Oh, this is going to be a great opportunity." You have to really decipher what is a good opportunity and what's just using a lot of your energy, and is not. And it's just someone trying to 
I guess, be a van. I still get that. I still get random people that I have, like, a loose oh, friendship random? with. Oh. Like, they're, like, a loose acquaintance. It's a person I've met in comedy at some sort of comedy-related thing. They're like, this is your way in, and, like, this place is so, like, hard to get into. And I'm like, I went to the Grammys and the SBs and the Globes, and yeah. I get invited to a lot of things. And when I'm not invited, like, this year I wasn't invited to nothing. Like I've been, I haven't been invited to almost anything. Me neither. And my friend was like, <laughs> he's like, well, what do, like, what, are you going to this thing or that thing? I'm like, honestly, I don't really care. If, if I get invited, that's great. If I don't get invited, it's not meant for me. It's not yeah. right now. You know, like yeah. I got other shit I got to focus on, but like other people will be like, and the 15 to 20, I'm like, do y'all actually think that there are people that oh, are going to consistently do it? Like, we're, like, but like, what? I've also brought in like, there are many times that well, I bring like, yeah. I have a following. I brought in like 10, 20 people yeah. and if they give me a guest list i'll bring in another five or ten people whatever but that's not going to happen at every, every show, show? Like the problem the problem is i have some know, people that expect that for every that's show the expectation. And at that point, i'm like i don't want to be a friend i'm like i don't yeah. want to be a friend like you're I not have, my friend you're using well, you me. understand yeah. your social media that you have a large so people are going to see that and they're going to want so that you have eyes already but then they'll ask for other favors on top of yeah. that i'm like now nah, you're getting greedy i'm like i want to give without expectation but like at the point that i feel like i'm being used i'm like a girl on a date and if a guy just starts like, yeah, touching my leg. I'm bringing my credit card and I'm insisted I'm paying for that. <laughs> you know, I'm good. But the thing is, when you do bring 20 people, that particular producer of that, uh, and the expectation shifts and they're like, well, they think you're always going to bring that uh, yeah. that that many people. And then when you don't, they stop asking you to, to, to perform. And, uh, and but you have to know your worth as a comedian and you, and uh, as, as you grow and you build a following, it's sometimes okay to say no. <laughs> to I, I've learned that yeah. so, so quickly because like oh. sometimes it's an uphill battle because after you bring that 10 to 20 sometimes, right? You're, you're on a good show, good comics, good flow, good mix for what your audience of people that yeah. you have in your network or your sphere of influence to come out and they'll want to come out and see that show, not just for you, but for the other comics that are on there. They'll put you on a show that's very unlike audiences of people that they want to curry favor with for themselves that also don't really have an audience and can't bring people because they've oversaturated it. And then you're like the driving force behind that show. Yep. And you're not the headliner. Yeah. You're not getting the time of a headliner. Like I, I'm a solid feature. I get between 10 to 20, depending on where I'm at. And I'm happy with that right now. And mm -hmm. I'd like to, you know, get like a solid, like, you know, 30 or an hour, but like, I know you pay your dues in comedy. That's kind yeah. of the process. You know, I like doing the feature thing. It's great. Is I that your goal for this year to headline or do more featuring? Like what's the, I goal? want to tour more like as okay. a feature with like somebody that's been more experienced. I had to learn how they play the road a little bit, okay. but I'm also open towards headlining in cities that I do have that audience and I yeah. can bring that or co-headlining with somebody and kind of sharing that spotlight. My whole thing is like find opportunities and leverage ways to bring other people that are just good humans yeah. and audience. Like, I don't want to put that pressure like, okay, if we're going to do like a show together, the three of us, and we got to figure out a way to do it. I don't actually produce shows myself yeah. regularly. It's like if there's a special opportunity or somebody's paying me to do something, I'll do it. But like, it's not my business right now. Yeah, I'm not really yeah. focused on that. You would it's think, like man, of all your entrepreneurial I mean, sure you endeavors, I'm like, this guy definitely is going to produce at some point. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm thinking at one point, <laughs> that's actually on the goals list is like, that could be a good way to establish yeah. a relationship with some of the clubs I want to have a relationship with is yeah. do that show, but then also having the freedom of bringing some of the people I want to bring by because there have been times that I've brought in like an A-list athlete or an A-list celebrity 
and they're like, you got to wait in the line, and they're getting yelled at by oh, another yeah. comic that just wants them to wait in the line, but then you look foolish, and I'm like, I'm not going to invite this sort of caliber of person to that sort of club again, oh, because like, it's a bad experience for that person. Yeah, especially if it's And it can make time. you look bad. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's not beneficial to you to yeah. be in that sort of like light with somebody that's a high-value relationship. For, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Who's your biggest influence in comedy? Dude, I'm a huge fan of like Russell Peters. I mm-hmm. love Chris Rock style of comedy. Um, huge fan of Jay Moore just as a person. I've done a couple of shows with him, and it really sticks with me. And I I tell any person that like hits me up on Instagram, like when they're like, "I'm trying to do comedy," I, I steal Jay's line, which is, "You're doing comedy. <laughs> you're you're yeah. doing it. Like it doesn't matter if you're doing it in a bar with five people that don't like. Yeah, it's actually want to be there. Yeah. You know, you're doing it. Like." Everyone likes to think that they're better because of their experience that they've done something, but you don't know. Yeah. Right, right. You have no idea who's going to be the next person that pops yeah. because they had one joke, hit it off. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And they might have done a joke against a random brick wall that's not even in a comedy club. Yeah. yeah. That's what's different about comedy. Like, you, you'll have people who say they're writers and they don't ever write a script. And it's like, but they still say they're writers. But comedy, you can just do it. You know, you can go on stage and do five minutes, do a mic or whatever, and do it mm-hmm. and get started in it and stuff. And that I think some people, they're so scared just to get started in it. Um, but it seems like with you, it just happened. And I think people, like, you wanted to do comedy and you got into this show. And I think people want it like that instead of the having to go out and just do it. You know, I, I think they want it to happen to them. And I'm like... I think my first 10 shows, I'd have like two or three jokes planned out and it'd just be whatever happened to me in that day. <laughs> like literally, so, then I'd just talk about like so whatever you're happened. You're riffing. I was riffing a yeah. lot and then like now I've tried to be a little bit more structured mm-hmm. with what mm-hmm. I'm saying and then I realized this, that a lot of comics do like the same set for like perfecting it and that's really how you get better as a comic yeah. is like you perfect those same jokes and you modify how yeah. you say it and you get better at it. So yeah. like yeah. a lot of it is just trial and error and you see what kind of works for you but like don't freak out that you forgot one word. Is this exactly how I wrote it? Just yeah, see that's flow, me. live, live your going on. I've never been like in that situation. It's yeah. always been a great show and you always get treated like you are a performer. Yeah. And that, that's the thing when you were just referencing, like, you know, uh, you're, you know, sometimes you were riffing and, and doing different things and maybe not as structured. I think sometimes that's a good thing uh, on, on stage and you're doing it. Sometimes that style on on these larger stages with these bigger names, but that's sometimes where you really learn to kind of find yourself to your voice on stage as in those situations, live. It's the best high. Yeah, yeah. I tell people all the time. People are like, "It must be so scary being on stage," and I'm like, "That's the best ten to twenty minutes of my day." Yeah, yeah. You know, the other twenty three yeah. hours and forty minutes, those are fucking. Yeah. <laughs> those are rough sometimes. Yeah. You know? There you go. Right before you get on stage, that moment right before your heart is like, oh, yeah. And then it's like you're flying. I remember that was the thing I hated when I first, like, when I first got started in comedy was, like, I'd have a lot of people that knew me in the audience. Everybody wanted to talk to me for, like, the whole time. And I was like, dude, leave it alone. And also, like, in comedy, there's, like, certain, like, faux pas and, like, also just having, like, younger single guy friends is brutal sometimes (laughs) as a comic because, like, I remembered one show in particular. There's a buddy of mine that came to the show, and he is very much so a guy that just literally wants to hit on people everywhere <laughs> that he goes. But, like, at a comedy show, you don't talk to people. 
what? in the middle of a show. <laughs> and doing... I'm like sitting next to him. He's just, and he's... He just flirting, macking around. No, and... he's like, hey, that girl over there, like, I want to go hit on her. Like, do you know her? Like, and I'm like, yeah, she's a comic on the show. He's like, I want to hit on her. And I'm like, <laughs> what? She's accusing like four people of, you don't know me in this scenario. Yeah. Let her do her thing. Like, yeah. I'm, I was like, buddy, like, she's dealing with some stuff. Something <laughs> happened to her recently. And like, I would probably advise that this is the wrong environment for you to like, be like, he's like, can I drop that? Like, I know you. And I'm like, no, do not drop that. You know me. I am not getting involved in what you're trying to do with this woman. She's trying to perform. I'm trying to perform. And that was probably one of the worst sets I've ever done in my life because oh this guy was gosh. in my ear the whole See, in his time. Mind, he's like, I don't need the dating apps. I had an ex come to a show, did not tell me and he cheated on me. And he was like one of my worst exes and just showed up. Like this. Okay, and he just and he just showed up at my show randomly. Yeah, and I was like, I and he kept talking during every comics set, and I was like, the dude right here, and I just had to like call him. I said, and he cheated on me, and everyone I've never seen a group of audience turn on someone like they did. They were like, boom, they were throwing stuff at him. I said, please stop, y'all are insane. Like, please stop. But it's like it's always those moments <laughs> where you have to like, because I was like, I can't believe he's here. I don't even want to do this. And then I was like, let me just rag on this guy because I can't believe he showed up. He's talking during every set. He wants to be the one on stage, clearly. He's a narcissist. Um, so, yeah, just sometimes you got to turn it around when you do have those people who come in or, like, want to talk. They don't get that you're trying to concentrate before a show. They don't uh -huh. get that you – this is a performance. You're still going on stage and you need to be um, focused. They don't, a lot of people don't get that because my sister still do that. And I'm like, shut up. She goes – you always tell me to shut up and because you just talk right when they're about to call my name. What's next for you for the horizon? Like, what's next? Like, Honestly, I'm trying to become a regular at a lot of the L.A. clubs because I want to, like, book some more acting roles. Um, I haven't done that. I'm always booked by producers for produced shows. They're great shows to be on, but, like, trying to become a regular so I can really perfect a craft and then get really good on the road yeah. is the goal. And then also leverage the fact that, like, I know how to do some of these bookings to create enough demand for myself. I want to book like a series regular and then also to really just portray Indian people in a different yeah. background because I grew up in a very different environment than a lot of people. I came up through a lot of the nightlife You grew up stuff. in India? I grew up in Boston. In Boston? Grew up in Boston. So you're uh, you're not first generation. Well, you, you did I'm first generation. You're I'm, first generation. I'm, I'm, I consider myself to be ethnically confused. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm very, very yes, ethnically confused. Like I'm ethnically confused. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot of Indian guys that dress the way that I dress, talk the way that I talk, fresh man, or wear chains like this. Yeah, you know, I'm like a combination of an Indian dash rapper. There you go. You That's know? what I was like. Yeah, you, you know, it. my comedy special is gonna be called Confessions from the Seven Eleven. <laughs> there you go. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I think it is important. I, I, because I, I visited India, and what people told me when I was going to go was uh -huh. like, "This is completely different. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it." So it's like, I think it's important. Representation does matter, and that you're going out there and representing the way you can, the way you, who you are, so people can see how diverse we people of color are. Oh, I want to change the paradigm because it's, it's so hard. you and I deal with like it's some so some rough stuff. Oh you know, Indian people, and this, this is part of a bit. Which is because you bring that influence into your into your comedy. Dude, oh, I, love I it. honestly started doing a lot more mm -hmm. of it, but like one of, one of the bits that I just recently shared on my Instagram, which is like you know, Indians this year became the most populous grouping of people in the world, and mm. we were colonized by England for eighty plus years, mm. and one hundred and fifty nine years later, 
we colonized our colonizer. Prime Minister is Rishi Sunak of uh, England. We own the majority of (laughs) land in London. We own the majority of land in the UK. Their national dish is chicken tikka masala. (laughs) We run all those tech companies, and we have integrity when it comes to writing code. Because all the dating apps, Indian men and black women are the least right swiped on them. On every dating app, yeah. And then, you know, um, I like to go on there because... I don't take, I don't have an expectation. I just literally flow with things. I'm like, the right person that's supposed to be in my life is going to come into my life. The right woman I'm supposed to be with is going to treat me right. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, I'm an Aries son, Leo Moon, <laughs> okay. Virgo, Ascendant. <laughs> Elevator pitch you know? right here. Yeah, right here. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you know? They got the chain but, on. Uh, <laughs> Check out I, that chain well, right there, What too. I like to do is, uh, when I see a woman write on a dating app that she only likes men over six feet tall, I send a link to the article about the top 10 billionaires <laughs> oh in the world list. And eight out of 10 billionaires are under six feet tall. So do you really want to limit your partner's earning potential? I think we're, I think that you just delivered uh, the ultimate answer to so many questions, you know, yeah. from, about shorter men. Small <laughs> men, big dreams. I'm going to need you like, that. Honestly, dude, that's, that's a criteria. I'm, I'm the opposite, you know. A woman discriminated against uh, short men on dating apps. Oh, I discriminate against tall agents. I, I want an agent, you know, ideally five eight or below, <laughs> because that's a man that's going to work. They're like, oh, make sure you go to the gym, as you over here not going to the. I hate when I see that. I'm like, what? Make sure you love the gym. Nobody loves the gym. Nobody. Nobody. I mean, it's like when I see a girl that writes, like you know, the pick me girls. They're like. I love watching sports on a Sunday, and I'm like, left swipe, not my thing. I will compliment you on your nails or your hair because I grew up with sisters. There you go. Is that a thing for pick me girls? I yeah, love football. I love football on Sundays, or I want to watch sports with you, and I'm like, I don't want to watch sports. I, I ended up actually on a date with a girl that was like, we got to watch like the Celtics game, and she was like flipping out at me because I was like, I have every movie streaming service, I just don't have ESPN. Oh wow, it's not uh, my thing. You know, got to have ESPN. I was oh. like, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> oh, well, I, I go to the game to watch, you know, the entertainment. I know. Like, who watches that for the actual sport, guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got to go. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we uh, just have really one final question for you. Uh, it's pr- the, probably the most important question you're going to get all year. Yeah. What's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> Honestly, dude, this is actually a great question <laughs> because I I'm a big fan of mint chocolate chip, but I like... Vanilla with caramel on top of a brownie. And one of the concepts I want to do is, uh, you mentioned you were recently in El Salvador. Uh, I live in a MS-13 gang neighborhood. They're the deadliest gang in America. I've befriended many MS-13 gang members just by being friendly in the neighborhood. And one the of neighborhood them, friendly gang yeah. member guy. Yeah, 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 I'm really good friends with an MS-13 gang member. And like once a month, we have Rocky Road ice cream, and we talk about our problems and our struggles. Wait, what? Not gentrification this is a show. Is right. This is a fucking show. This, yeah, this is wanna, a reality I wanna, show. I want to call it Respect. And it'll be having like a different, like you know, violent gang member or a criminal. Not even of and a we have culture background. Yeah, just having ice cream, just having an ice cream and discussing how you can show respect for people because you know we recently had 
you know, middle-class white people that want to make it an EDM move into our neighborhood. And they've disturbed the peace. They play EDM music till 4 a.m. And the only approved noises after 10 p.m., which is the curfew for Los Angeles County for loud, disruptive noises, is quinceaneras and approved gang violence, according to Oh, him. really? How about they that? They approve quinceaneras for loud? That's really cool. I need to look into that. When you're an MS- Just in our neighborhood. We're, we're cool M- with quinceaneras. Yeah, listen, oh, when you're an MS-13 gang member, I feel like the rules change very much so. so yeah, but he was either. the Disturbed by their music, you know, just keeping his kid up at night. Yeah, um, it bothered him. You know? I, you, when you bother MS-13 gang member, uh, he knocked on my door. He was like, you know, sir. He was very polite. I, 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 he was like, I, I would really appreciate if you could call the police because <laughs> I can't per a code of conduct for my employment. <laughs> Oh my god. I said I got you and he's like I appreciate it. I oh love my that god. Idea so yeah. much. Thank you. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah I love I that. I hit him with a godfather line. I was like, you know, today I'll do you this favor, but one day I may ask you for another favor. <laughs> right, right. Just don't yeah. leave, just don't leave, don't leave a horse's head in the bed. You know what I mean? You're, you're no, dude, head. it's the best security system. I don't got ADT. <laughs> That's right. I got big homie protection. There's big just guys protection. on my blocks asking people where it. they're from. What their intentions are. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I have learned a lot today. I Lena. know, I love it. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah. For, yeah. Ashwin Jacob, you are the man. We had a great time with you and uh, can't wait to see you on stage. Yeah, yeah man. I'm so excited to see y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>